Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rainbow Road. I am your host, Travis Ryans, and joining me once again is your co-host, Mike Deneen. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good, thanks. How you doing? I'm just dandy, just dandy. And we've got two guests joining us today. Joining us once again is Aton Shalman. Aton. Hello, hi. <laughs> thanks for having me again. Thank you for joining us again. And joining us once again as well is Andrew Orsi. Andrew, thank you for coming back on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Last time on Rainbow Road, we discussed games that were near and queer to our hearts, and we shouted it out to you guys. We wanted to hear from you what games were near and queer to your hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. so Travis, I hear uh, we got some submissions. What's uh, what's one that stuck out to you? Well, as always, we have our super fan, Commander Nikki, who we absolutely love and who's near and queer to our hearts. Uh, she talked about a bunch of games. Uh, I just want to run through them as fast as we can. So the first one she mentioned was Red Dead Redemption 2. She said, Dirty cowboys in an open world, riding horses, shooting shit, that is my jam. And mm-hmm. the story is great too. And Red Dead Redemption 2 gave me Sadie Adler and I fell in love. I love her so much. Um, have any of you guys played Red Dead Redemption 2? I played like a bit of it. Oh, really? What did you think? Yeah, it's really good. It, it's just like, it's like GTA, but but cowboys, you know? That's cool. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, yeah, but you cowboys. Just like, you'd like a horse jack people and then like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like I, know, I didn't encounter any like hookers or like or maybe like saloon wenches I, I figure would be the equivalent but uh yeah it was uh the, the bit i did play of it was really enjoyable and i think my partner and i are going to circle back and and try to go through it from the top once uh winter is in full force which it's uh it's starting to starting to get a little bit more wintry out there yeah for sure i actually didn't play it myself um i've just seen one clip of it you're riding through the countryside and some woman flags you down and she goes oh hey you there think you could help a lady out my horse up and Out of died, nowhere, a fucking goat just bodies her and sends her flying across the map. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's my only interaction with the Classic game. Classic goat comedy. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where like I should have played it because Rockstar is one of the few video game companies that's like based out of New York, and so I actually know motion capture models and voice actors Ooh. on the game. Like not any of the major characters i think i think they were just like side characters but so some part of me feels like i'm obligated to play it for my friends but then i just never did because you definitely encountered (laughs) someone who had had to like wear a bunch of ping pong balls on a bodysuit and then go limp as if they were being hit by a goat yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) that was like 99 percent my friend jillian probably you know (laughs) well shout out to jillian well done uh you are very believable uh woman in distress getting hit by a goat on the in red dead redemption and it sounds like uh made uh nikki's gaming experience or uh, no she didn't mention that explicitly in the in her suggestion no she didn't i just brought it up because i love that story yeah okay okay (laughs) She also mentioned uh, the Uncharted series. Um, have you guys played Uncharted? Oh yes. What did you What did you think of Uncharted? I feel like I see a lot of like very serious discussions about Uncharted, and I'm like, y'all, this is a lighthearted game. Like, why are we getting so serious about it? I think it's just like chill and nice and a an enjoyable game series that has some really well done cinematic moments. Because if there's art in the world, be it video game or otherwise. People are going to have an opinion. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, she mentioned Days Gone. She mentioned Wolfenstein, which uh, it might be the only uh, series with a Jewish protagonist. So that's something, Aton. You can have hey. that. <laughs> <laughs> I should check it out then. Oy vey. Uh, they've also got Just Cause and da, 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 Maneater, which was like this weird shark game. And she posted a photo of herself in front of her pride flag with just a whole bunch of shark plushies. It's this very bizarre game where you're just like playing as a shark eating people. I've never played it myself, but ever since she mentioned it, I'm like so tempted to go get a copy because it looks ridiculous. 
Awesome. Well, there's a, a, a game that's uh, near and queer to your heart, Travis, and I, I think uh, one that you've been itching to talk about for a while. Yes. One notable absence from my games that I wanted to talk about in my near and queer was Kingdom Hearts because I do want to do episodes on it. There's a lot of different games to cover. There's a lot of different things I do want to talk about. Uh, but Mike, you haven't played it. That's correct. Okay. All right. Let me let me clarify. So I haven't played it extensively. Okay. I played the first one a bit. And that was so many years ago, as you know, I've said on the show before, I'm old. Uh, so it, back in my my youth, I played the first one, and then I kind of dropped off. And as we mentioned before the show in our like digital green room, uh, that song, Simple and Clean, that was in like an earworm for so long, uh, just because it was so deeply embedded <laughs> in the zeitgeist after the first Kingdom Hearts game came out. Uh, and so was all of the... Uh, you know, because there, there's a there's rule 34, uh, and if you don't know what that is, uh, maybe don't oh Google God. it. But don't. Uh, you know, there was a lot of that. Don't. There's a lot of imagery on the internet floating around after Kingdom Hearts was out, and as like a young queer person, uh, okay, I'm talking too much. I'm gonna let what let's let's get let's move on. <laughs> I love that. Like, I know in my head that you're referring to like Riku slash Sora fiction, but I'm all I'm picturing is like Donald Goofy slash fiction. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's just all that's going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to ask the other two now. Aitan, what's your experience with Kingdom Hearts? Um, Well, I have played a couple of the games. I've played Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, and 3. And a couple of the other games, I played Birth by Sleep. And I tried to play 358 over two days. But the gameplay was um, uh, shit. Shit. The gameplay was shit. (laughs) The title of the new one is called It's Birth by Sleep. That's that's an older game. That one's actually really good. Okay. That's a weird title, though. I they're all I just want to say all that's a... weird and bad. Okay. They're all weird and bad. The titles. Okay. Anyway. The ti- the, not the games. And well... some of the games. <laughs> Depends on the game we're talking <laughs> we'll about. We'll get into it. <laughs> okay. Well, and Andrew, what's your uh, history and experience with Kingdom Hearts? Oh, um, <laughs> I've played basically every Kingdom Hearts game that exists um, at one point or another. Like, it was a matter of I was a little late to the first one. I think I played Kingdom Hearts 1 as 2 was about to get released. And my friends were, like, talking about how great the first one was, and they were so excited about it. And so then I, like, basically just, like, bullied them into letting me borrow their copy of Kingdom (laughs) Hearts 1 so I could play it. Nice. And then I got Kingdom Hearts 2 for myself. And then they started branching out to, like, all the other platforms. So, like, I had Chain of Memories because I had a Game Boy Advance, but Birth by Sleep was for, like, what, the PSP, I think, was originally the platform it was on? That's Mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. So I definitely didn't have that. And then Dream Drop Distance, I never got, like, when it came out. But leading up to Kingdom Hearts 3, they released, like, 1.5, which had three different games on it, and 2.5, which had three different games on it. And so I was able to, like, catch up and play through the entire series. Similarly to Aton, the one that I haven't finished is 358 over two days. I've played probably 60% of it before I just couldn't keep going. Yeah, (laughs) it's unplayable. Yeah, it's rough. And you know what? It's my favorite story out of the entire series. You're not wrong. The gameplay is terrible, but it's my favorite story out of all of Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, it involves like two of my favorite characters. And so I want to finish it. But I haven't. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So who are, who are those characters? Who are your two favorite characters? Well, let's get into it. So this... Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, th- those names are going to mean nothing to you, and it's just going to get super long and confusing from that thread. You know what? You're right. Okay. So here's what <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. Travis, if this were a car, I'm going to say that you're in the metaphorical driver's seat here. Um, I'm going to be getting drunk in the back. So I've got a beer here. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open that up. 
Okay. All right. I'm just going to get drunk in the back and uh, and enjoy this ride. Okay. So a couple of ground rules. So, so first off, what we're doing here is we're trying to explain the complicated and complex history of Kingdom Hearts to Mike uh, as he is not familiar with the series. As, as my sobriety like gradually leaves me. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then we'll see how much I've retained by the end of the show. Oh, there will be a pop quiz. There will be there will be a test. Yes. <laughs> it's great. It's fully graded. Like mm-hmm. this is gonna this is gonna your participation will show mm-hmm. up on your Oh, this is score. perfect. This is exactly like my university experience, just like being drunk before every test. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. I never let, let's okay. <laughs> a couple ground rules before we start. First off, we will not be discussing Melody of Memory because it just came out this week, and we're not gonna do that to people and try to spoil a game the week it comes out. We don't do that here. We're not gonna discuss Ki, Chi, Kai, whatever. There's a million different ways that you're supposed to pronounce it, or back cover, or any of the like super before prequel stuff that's kind of like the old republic of the Kingdom Hearts lore. We're just not going to go there because it's a, a browser mobile game that's not still directly tied to the story yet, although 3 kind of tried to weave it in. We're, we're just not going to go there. We're just not going to do it. Uh, obviously, major spoiler warnings if you have not played the Kingdom Hearts series and you still want to. However, if you haven't understood the Kingdom Hearts series, even though you've played it and you just played it for the gameplay, or you've always wanted to get into it and you don't really understand what's going on, maybe this is a, a nice refresher for you. Maybe this is a primer to get you involved in something you might find interesting. I don't know. It's up to you. This is more for us. <laughs> just cracking a beer and, and enjoying the ride. Our story begins on an island with three kids. Sora, Riku, and Kairi. Protagonist, rival, and damsel in distress. Darkness takes over the island and swallows them whole. If I had a nickel for every time darkness swallowed me whole. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, Andrew, how would you describe darkness in this series? Um, Yeah, darkness is like a... (laughs) Darkness is like a concept, I think, in this game. A lot of things are concepts. It's a little bit of the Yu-Gi-Oh, like, heart of the cards friendship sort of feeling to, like, there's light and dark in everyone's hearts. And, like... The kingdom heart of the cards. Hearts are obviously very important to the series because it's called Kingdom Hearts. But then Kingdom Hearts is its own thing that um, is important, but rarely shows up, and I don't understand what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so to try to explain that, um, your... To keep this simple, I'm going to say that your soul is referred to as your heart. I know that's actually not technically the lore Kingdom Hearts stands. I know that your soul and heart are different in this series. We're not getting into that today because that's way too technical and complex. I'm not doing it. Yeah, can we just keep it simple and clean? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to go back to drinking. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) For the sake of Mike's sanity, we're just going to refer to your soul as your heart. Um, Hearts can be made up of light and dark, and... Your heart is naturally part of the world of light, but it can fall to darkness if you give in to your worst emotions. Fear, despair, anger, jealousy, rage, that kind of thing. Not only do people have hearts, but places have hearts. So there is a heart to each world, and there is a heart to the universe itself, to existence. And that one heart of all hearts is called Kingdom Hearts. If you can control Kingdom Hearts then you control basically the universe. What do you think, Aton? does that make sense to you? Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty accurate. Makes sense is a strong word in any part of this uh, podcast episode, I think. <laughs> yeah, but, 
So darkness takes over their island. Everyone sort of falls to darkness and the world disappears. Sora is trying to save his friends from the darkness. Riku decides that he's going to embrace the darkness because it allows him to see other worlds. And Kairi gets lost. And get used to that. Get used to Kairi's name being associated with lost or kidnapped or gone. Is she like the princess in another castle kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, very much. A princess of heart is how she's referred to it. So there are seven princesses of pure light. They are so goody, goody, good, good that nothing bad could ever happen to them. And combining them together will open up the door to Kingdom Hearts. I think it's like Aurora, Jasmine, Alice is a princess for some reason. Mm -hmm. Cinderella... Bell um, and Snow White. Yes. And Kyrie. And then Kyrie. Yeah, that's it. If it's not all of them, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they all get swept away by the darkness and they all go to different places. Sora ends up with this weapon to defend himself from the Heartless, which are monsters manifested of the darkness. A Heartless is when your heart falls to darkness, it rips out of your body. And becomes one with the darkness and turns into like this little skittering monster thing that'll go after people. Is it bad that I just, I relate to that so much? Having your heart ripped out and like falling to your worst emotions? Yeah, I feel like I just, I I feel like I get that so much. So continue, <laughs> sorry. Have you been hurt before, Mike? Are you okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go let my heart fall to darkness. Uh, okay. Yeah. If you do it right and slowly and dramatically, simple and clean will probably start playing in the background while you fall. <laughs> but not the club remix, like that soft piano version. Oh right. <laughs> so Sora gets this weapon to defend himself against the darkness, uh, known as the Keyblade, which is just a giant key that is not sharp at all. So I don't know why they call it a blade. It's just like a giant club that's shaped like a key. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I don't get it. Why? It is absolutely a stick like the whole concept is that like yes you are using slashes like slashing motions to attack but you're definitely just beating the heartless over the head with a key the pointy part is facing up so he's literally just bonking them with a round right pole. <laughs> so do we just by the way do we all have four and a half hours uh l- laid off for travis to get through this entire series or <laughs> i'm I, i'm or getting what? more drunk by by the minute we're here, not so. even through the prologue yet <laughs> i'm you're right I'm, I'm sorry i should slow down this is gonna be fun um, I hope you have more beer behind, like, like I hope you have a stash uh, you know, going. I, I think uh, I got one more, but the, just, I'll ship one to you real quick, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the USPS is super reliable this year, so it'll get there fast. <laughs> that's, that's what I hear. <laughs> well, the thing is, we're not going to go through Disney World by Disney World because largely the Disney Worlds do not matter to the story. Like, nothing of any substance or consequence happens in the Disney worlds. That is true. Am I wrong? No. Yeah, that's, no, that's incredibly accurate. Onwards. Okay, so, picking up the pace. Riku and Sora get separated. Sora meets up with uh, Donald and Goofy, who are on the search for their king, King Mickey Mouse, who has told them that they need to find a boy with a giant key. So that's Sora. They found him. Great. Riku is elsewhere and ends up with... Two different villains who are trying to create a league of super evil exes. So Maleficent and a mysteriously dark-skinned man named Ansem. Literally the only, like, dark-skinned person in the game is the villain. Yep. They start manipulating and controlling Riku and saying, uh, you know, power gives you strength. Darkness gives you power. You know, your friend Sora, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. Eitan and Andrew, how gay is Riku? I would say, on a scale of one to Elton John, Taron Egerton playing Elton John. (laughs) So pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could get behind that. 
I don't. I mean, I'm going off of my own gay experience, but uh, mopey teenager was the pinnacle <laughs> of me f- realizing I was gay. And <laughs> Riku is nothing if not a mopey teenager. Yes, I definitely do get vibes from Kyrie of of like boys, boys, don't fight over me, boys. Like, hello. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they're both looking for Kyrie. They both think the other one is not doing anything to help find Kyrie. Riku takes the Keyblade. Sora isn't allowed to have it anymore. Donald and Goofy are like, well, I know we just went on this huge 40-hour adventure with you, but he's got the key now, so later, loser. Yeah, damn turncoats. Bye. They just abandoned yeah, him. I was really offended at how quickly they were just like, well, you know, screw you, I guess. This guy's got the key instead. <laughs> yep. And then you do a level without them and without a Keyblade, uh, and you're kind of being escorted around by Beast from Beauty and the Beast. You meet up with them again. They decide they want to help you after all. And because of the power of friendship, the Keyblade comes back to you. And Sora says, you know, I've learned now. My friends are my power. Except that your friends ditched you. (laughs) And your power has been casting fireballs for the past hour because you have no weapon. And like, being a fucking sorcerer is pretty cool, dude. Like, you don't need any of these people. But I don't know. Um... We find out that Kyrie is missing because her heart has been actually hiding inside of Sora all along. Sora's Keyblade has the power to open up hearts, so he stabs himself with a Keyblade, opens up his heart, and allows Kyrie to be free. In the process of doing so, he opens his own heart up to the darkness and becomes a heartless. <laughs> Speaking of bonking on the head, Donald thinks that you're an enemy and, well, bonks <laughs> you on the head until Kyrie goes, No, I can tell because of friendship that it's Sora. And using her magic princess powers brings you back to life as a regular person. Yeah, she's got that good, good hug, you know? Yeah, the the power of hugs, mm-hmm. man. So they take on Ansem, the main villain who's, like, been controlling Riku and controlling Maleficent this entire time. They defeat him, and they get to the... The door to darkness, which is also the door to Kingdom Hearts at the same time. So, uh, yeah. Okay, how do I explain Yeah, I was always very confused about, like, what was happening there. Because then it's like, oh, Riku's on the other side of the door. But Riku's in the realm of darkness? So then what's Kingdom Hearts? Where? What's happening? I think there was this whole, like, debate. Or they tried to make you wonder if Kingdom Hearts was dark or light. But I'm like, what? Isn't it both? I don't know. I, I need gin, and I'm 12. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I, I think the doorway itself is Kingdom Hearts, and then, like, on either side, you've got the world of light and the world of dark, and the world of light is what we live in and what we know in the world of darkness is essentially hell. So Riku and, for some fucking reason, Mickey Mouse are on the other side of this door, and you need one person on each side of the door to seal it and lock it. Why it couldn't have been either just Mickey or just Riku... No reason is given, but they both stay behind in hell, literal hell. And I hate to say this, but Mike, it's an important plot point that Mickey doesn't have a shirt. Yep. I think this has come up before, and I feel like the question that I had was about Mickey Mouse's nipples? (laughs) They did not draw them, sadly. Smooth like a (laughs) barge. 
Smooth like a Barbie. <laughs> and it's yep. all done to the tune of Simple and Clean. Yep. So, you know, you can suspend disbelief much easier when there's a pretty song overlaid on it. Yes, exactly. Okay, well, before we go any further, Aton and Andrew, did I miss anything important? No, no not really. What is important? <laughs> Even if you think about any of the things that felt like major plot points in Kingdom Hearts, half of them happen in the Disney worlds. And then like once you move on from that world, nobody ever talks about it again. So it's yeah. really not important. <laughs> can, can I ask a question? Yeah, please do. What is it about the series that makes you like it so much? Because like we could talk about the entire plot, but I'm curious, like what has you enamored with this series so much? Because you love it. I know you do. It has such a spot in your heart, in your in your big travesty Kingdom Heart. And I want to know like what about Kingdom Hearts carved out a space in that heart of yours? Um, the answer is about as complicated as the plot of Kingdom Hearts. Uh, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said that nostalgia was not a factor. I've always loved Disney. Disney is like, it allowed me to enjoy musicals before I could just be gay and like musicals. Mm-hmm. It was like a gateway because everybody likes Disney. Yeah, it does give you a walking tour of so much nostalgia of like all the plastic covered VHS Disney movies from when you were a kid and suddenly you're not only seeing these things but you're like interacting with them so I think the nostalgia is like a huge part of of the whole experience so yeah and and sorry what else Mm -hmm. um my family and I didn't really get along very much when I was growing up so Disney was pretty much the only thing that we all agreed on and we all the only thing we actually liked and bonded over so Mm -hmm. getting to play a video game where you're traveling from Disney movie to Disney movie was something that was really enjoyable for me and brought back the happiest of some fucked up memories which will become a theme in kingdom hearts later (laughs) um yeah and also i genuinely like how unabashedly emotional and sentimental this game is to a point of complete cheesiness okay but i still kind of admire that Mm -hmm. like i like how it's just raw sentimentality i think disney's really good at at pulling at the heartstrings right like i watched that that soap opera tv show once upon a time and uh and i think it does a good job of just hitting right in the feels yeah and i think that's what you're trying to like get across that the, the kingdom hearts games are not afraid to just go right to that like very emotional place like right off the bat yeah if somebody were to describe the kingdom hearts series as a soap opera series of video games i don't think that's entirely inaccurate okay okay it's really not especially considering how often they kill off and revive characters <laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh is it like the marvel cinematic universe then? or the comic book universe rather pretty close yeah they do that a lot in, in pretty the, close. In a lot of ways okay yeah. all right cool yeah right. i think for me it's definitely like nostalgia as well i also loved disney and i loved final fantasy and i knew that this was like hypothetically a marriage of the two so that was the teenage me's reason for checking out the game in the first place i think and there's like nostalgia on the series and there's definitely some nostalgia in the disney worlds although now that i've like i've gone back and replayed them as a you know fully fledged old person and the disney worlds are really pretty bare bones in a lot of them (laughs) some of them you just sort of like the first time you visit the disney world it's basically like here's a real quick summary of this disney movie's plot also, Sora and Donald are goofy pop up every once in a while and are real annoying in the middle of the plot. <laughs> Which is like true to form for Disney properties. Oh, absolutely. They also just made, I find a lot of the characters like stupidly endearing and charming despite the fact that I don't think I should. <laughs> yeah, agreed. 100% agreed. So I know, you know, Andrew and I really like it. Aton, you have pretty mixed feelings on this series. What's your take on Kingdom Hearts? I 
I used to really like it. Like, I was very skeptical when I heard as a kid that they were going to create a game mixing Final Fantasy characters with Disney. And um, growing up, I was much more a Final Fantasy kid than a Disney kid. And so when I heard, I was like, what? Like, they're going to put, like, Cloud in a game with Mickey Mouse? How the fuck is that going to work? But then I decided to give it a shot and try it, and I really enjoyed the first game. And I really enjoyed the second game. With the second game, they were it was starting starting to get a little bit confusing. I would say the storyline was getting a little bit more intricate. Mm -hmm. Then Travis, Mm -hmm. you were telling me about, oh, they're making this chain of memories game and they made this birth by sleep game and they're, they're introducing these new characters from a different time. And then birth by sleep in organization 13 with every game, (laughs) it got more and more needlessly complicated and convoluted. And I just like, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) I played kingdom hearts three. And I liked the gameplay for the most part, but the storyline, there's that famous cutscene where Jiminy Cricket is talking to all the characters and they don't even know what's going on. (laughs) And Jiminy Cricket is like, all right, I'm going to give you all a cell phone so you can call each other if you have any questions about the what the fuck is going on because nobody knows what's (laughs) going on. I think I like the series a little, like I'm a little more positive overall in my opinion than Aton is, but I have experienced all of these same emotions and I didn't really have the enthusiasm for three that like I had for the older games when they came out. I It felt a little bit like three got to a point where they said, we can't just follow up from two. We've done all these extra properties on other systems. So we have to include literally every story thread that we've ever introduced and try to tie it up into one game, even though those things don't go together. <laughs> yeah. So did the did the play experience of the game feel bloated as a result of that? The gameplay is still really fun. Yeah, bloated, mm-hmm. but also thin, because there are so many characters and so many ideas and so many half-started yeah. things that they can't all wrap up in one game neatly and, and in a way that's easy to understand. So it's bloated, but also... Thin. You know what? I can relate to that so hard because I'm, I'm drinking a beer right now and I feel <laughs> bloated. But <laughs> yeah, so I, I get that. I really do. Yeah, it's it's very much like they try to give every character ever introduced and every storyline introduced the emotional like touching ending. But because there were so many of them and half of them were introduced in games and not referred to in Kingdom Hearts three before they tried to conclude it. It's like. Did I feel anything from that? I don't think I did. No, or who the fuck is that? Maybe you're just jaded and cynical now. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Well, that's not false. (laughs) I feel like part of the problem, I'm not saying all because this, this series has a major problem with retcons, with the same person inhabiting multiple different bodies, with multiple different people inhabiting the same body. Yeah. Like there's... There's a lot of problems in this right, And re- Redcon, re- retroactive continuity, right? Red- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where something is established as an idea, and then in a later game, they say, no, it's never been that way. It's actually been this way instead. Mm-hmm. It's, right, okay. it, it, it's like a plot twist hopped up on steroids. It's something where there was no clues for you to have figured this thing out. This is clearly an idea that came up later, and they were trying to change the story to fit this idea. Right, it's like they M. Night shyamalan but like out of left field. Yeah, exactly. Okay. One of the things that contributes to all this is also its release pattern as well. Eventually, everything came to one console where you could play every single game on the PS4, which was great, but it was mm. so many years before you could do that where you had to own 
multiple consoles. It was expensive trying to keep up with this series. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's like... part of the problem with Kingdom Hearts. I think it would have been a little easier to follow if it had been one line of console that you could have sort of grown up with and played with. But all of these problems are heaped on when you haven't played some of the other games because you just can't afford to. It's also like, well, that game happened, but it was basically in a self-contained world that erased itself at the end. So what was the point? The so what was the point? Yeah. <laughs> I think this happens kind of with both Chain of Memories and Dream Drop Distance, but then they will still reference it in the main games. <laughs> so they like took steps to set it off as like, this is an offshoot thing that will be a self-contained apparatus and you don't need to really play it to understand anything. But then also like, we're going to reference it anyway. So yeah. yeah. Can I just say, can I just put yeah. this out there? Travis, let me Dream Drop Drift. Drip, drip, uh, triple drip, uh, whatever. Um, Dream drop amazing alliteration on yeah. the title, too. Uh, so I tried that one for about two hours and absolutely hated it. It was rough. Freely gave that right back to Travis with a no thank you. I finished it one time. I did make it through. Mm-hmm. The stupid part about it is you still go to a bunch of Disney worlds, but you interact with almost no characters and every... <laughs> environment is so massive that it just feels like you are running through things and they're like there's a parkour system now so you're essentially just parkouring through empty areas love that and i was like furious because they finally included the hunchback of notre dame which is my favorite disney movie and then it just was like in this crappier game where they didn't do the disney worlds well the hunchback of of notre dame is your favorite disney movie yes i love that movie i didn't know that that's cool i will say it's also kind of interesting not to knock hunchback because i think it has some beautiful and wonderful things in there it also isn't something that disney's ever been super proud of and doesn't really talk about a lot and it definitely felt like dream drop distance was this collection of well we know kingdom hearts 3 is coming so we can't waste any of the good movies on it so (laughs) Let's do Tron again. Let's do Three Musketeers. Uh, someone's probably seen that. Uh, <laughs> let's do Hunchback, the one that didn't do very well in theaters. And um, uh, let's do Pinocchio again. And yeah, we could probably squeeze something out of Fantasia, right? Yeah, let, let's uh, let's do a Fantasia one. Uh, like, <laughs> yep. It's all this like C-list things that Disney's embarrassed about. May I ask another question? Yeah, you don't need to ask permission to ask questions. The whole point is for you to I, learn from <laughs> I this. I, I can tell you're raising your hand. You can put it down. <laughs> <laughs> what what are your favorite uh worlds i think that's a that's a i think to me that's a good interesting question is what like are what are your favorite, favorite worlds? worlds of the kingdom hearts uh smorgasbord uh world and why and you also can can you explain because knowing that i haven't really played the games i i'm curious to like understand like what what it is about the worlds that that have made them your favorites that's a tough one i did enjoy because you can go into the cave of wonders i think in both Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 from Aladdin. And I think they did a good job in Kingdom Hearts 2 with the Cave of Wonders, if I remember correctly. Ooh, is the Cave of Wonders, is that the one that's like in the tiger? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, where he gets the lamp? Sick. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that one's pretty cool. Yeah, 2 was the one where they put a bunch of puzzles in it, right? So it was yeah. like much more interesting as like a treasure mm-hmm. trove thing. Yes. So a good one, I'll say, I'll say Cave of Wonders from um, Kingdom Hearts 2. Okay, Cave of Wonders. And let's actually, let's do favorite and least favorite. Least favorite? Yeah. Oh, God. Well, it's not bad, but Hollow Bastion, the first time you get there, is such a pain in the ass. Interesting. Okay. In my opinion. Yeah. Hollow Bastion, for me, is sort of a a clunker at times. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. For me, it was just a real pain in the ass. So I'll go with that. Uh, What about you, Andrew? I'm trying to think through it really hard and, like, decide what makes a world my favorite. Because there's actually a bunch that I don't like. 
which then is making me question why I liked these games. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, Andrew, tell me. I want to hear. I don't want to hear the ones you don't like. I want to hear the, the one you do like. What's the one that you like? If I were like, hey, what's your what's the one that sticks out to you as being like different or special or like what's the one that to you that like really like has a special place in in your heart? I'm leaning. To, so I'm I'm kind of torn between two. Honestly, I'm leaning towards. Halloween Town from Nightmare oh, yeah. Before Christmas. <gasps> yeah. Just because I think they capture the aesthetic of Halloween Town very well. Also, because Nightmare Before Christmas is such a different property from most of the other mm-hmm. Disney movies, yeah. I think that just sets it apart. Mm-hmm. But the other one I'm thinking of is The Land of Dragons. I don't know why, from Mulan. I really What's enjoy that. Because I don't think that the Land of Dragons we don't see in the Mulan movie. So it's it's just China. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's just China. (laughs) It just sounds weird if they say we're going to China. In this conceit, China is its own planet. (laughs) Oh, we go to the planet China. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to planet China. It's like saying for Aladdin, like we're going to the Middle East. It's like, oh, are we looking for oil? Like, what is? (laughs) What are we doing here? What's the choice here? Yeah, so I think uh, it's probably between those two. Although I will give like a shout out. Kingdom Hearts 3 didn't like resonate with me as well, but I did think that Big Hero 6 when they did <gasps> San Francisco San- was did, or did San Francisco was actually really wonderful. Oh, yeah, that's so they did. cool. And they did a really fun <gasps> job cuz you went on like hero missions instead of just journeying through the world as normal and that was a nice oh, yeah, it was, change it was of pace. Cool. I love that. Especially after the Frozen World was like forced you to listen to let it go in full again oh my god okay, wait which iter- sorry which iteration of kingdom hearts had san francisco three okay yeah and that's the, and that's the one that people i remember being i was gonna maybe even play or, mike okay. if you want to borrow awesome. kingdom hearts yeah. three you can <laughs> and Tra- travis what about you what's uh what's your favorite uh kingdom heart world okay so my honorable mention weirdly goes to the hundred acre wood for winnie the pooh Mm. just because i have a lot of nostalgia for that um it's one of my favorite properties it's very cute and light and fun and there's no enemies there it's just all fun mini games also it's really fucked up in the first one (laughs) the way that you get to the hundred acre wood is through a storybook and the heartless have ripped out all the pages of the storybook so all of the places and people are gone and it's just winnie the pooh left on his thinking log and when you go there as sora you're like hey buddy how you doing he's like oh well all of the people and the places that I care about are disappearing. And I wonder how long it is before I disappear. And I didn't get to say goodbye to them. So I have to wonder, how do I say goodbye to myself? And I'm like, oh my God, like, what the fuck? Wow. Like it's Winnie the Pooh contemplating his own mortality. What the fuck is this? Winnie the Pooh asking the real questions. Yeah. Winnie's getting real. It's so fucked up. So that I just, for a lot of reasons, I do love Hundred Acre Wood. But honestly, my favorite has to go to Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. Port Royal. Nah. In Kingdom Hearts 2, it's not the greatest level. The, the animation looks very Who Framed Roger Rabbit because they're going for photorealism with everyone else. And Sora, Donald, and Goofy are just there. <laughs> it's, it's creepy. So fucking they're like, looking. here's our best attempt at Johnny Depp. But also, Donald Duck's right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> In the second one... I do kind of like the gameplay aspect where you're fighting off against the pirate zombies and you can only hurt them when they're in the moonlight. So you're having to pay attention to each battleground that you're in and see where there is shadow and where there's moonlight. And you have to sort of like force them back into specific positioning so that you can actually deal damage or you have to choose to use magic instead. Like it's actually quite neat. I really like the, the what they had done, but a lot of the level was also annoying. But when it came to Kingdom Hearts 3, it was actually a lot of fun. I really, really liked it. Mm. You were exploring a huge 
huge map for Kingdom Hearts and searching for treasure and going underwater and trying to upgrade your ship. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's probably my favorite level out of all of them, honestly. Nice. Yeah. What is interesting to me is like what the, the personal connections that you guys have forged with this game and, and the series and then and your relation and reaction to its various iterations and like the different versions of it that have come along. Like if people wanted to know what the plot was, they could read it online. Yeah. Does that help them? I'm not sure that helps them. I've tried <laughs> reading it online. It's not great. I, yeah, I don't think, and I don't think it's helpful, but it seems that it's brought a lot of interesting concepts uh, into the atmosphere, uh, even with Travis just sort of breaking down exactly how they sort of perceive like light and darkness right off the top. So, I mean, I feel like I, I'm a little bit more well-versed in Kingdom Hearts than I once was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you want to just maybe go around and share like favorite moments before we go? Sure. The, the thing that holds a place in my heart from Kingdom Hearts more than anything is the Roxas and Axel relationship. Because if anything could get gayer than Sora and Riku, it's Roxas and Axel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so basically, in Kingdom Hearts 2, they introduced the concept of nobodies, which when you're turned into a heartless, your empty body then it becomes a husk of nothingness. And that is a nobody. So it, it's like a whole nother set of enemies. But basically, when Sora unlocked his own heart he became a heartless and he also ended up creating a nobody so there's this kid roxas who is basically like a blonde played by jesse mccartney version of sora i guess (laughs) he gets taken in by the like evil organization of nobodies who are like especially powerful nobodies and it's called organization 13 and there's this whole group of people and there's one other member of of organization 13 named axel who is this like tall lanky sexy guy with spiky red hair and he like wields fire and if you play 358 over two days you get a real in-depth look at like how axel and roxas become friends in the organization that like nobodies are supposed to be empty shells so they shouldn't have emotion but then roxas and axel clearly develop a real friendship and really start to care about each other and love each other and, you know, I mean, friendship is is one word choice that some people use. I use gay love because it really reads that way. Like, it really leans that way. Yeah, for sure. But as Roxas kind of returned to Sora because Sora was being restored, Roxas kind of lost some memories of Axel and Axel was really sad about it. And then at some point in the corridors of darkness, they get swamped by a bunch of Heartless and they're getting overwhelmed. And Axel puts all of his energy into like one giant attack to defeat the Heartless and let Sora continue on. But in doing so, he like sacrifices himself essentially. And you get this sweet moment where like Sora goes over and is kneeling over Axel, like, why did you give yourself up for me? But then Sora's like crying because the Roxas that's inside of him loves Axel. (laughs) And Axel is just, like, saying that you look like him. And, like, it's just this, like, really bittersweet, like, sacrificing for, like, a friendship or a love that, like, wasn't ever going to come back. I don't know. It's very emotional. It's very cool. And I love Roxas and Axel. So that's my favorite thing. Andrew. It is a really sweet moment. It is. Sorry that that was very (laughs) long-winded. Just wait till I get to mine. Uh, What's your favorite moment from the series? Uh, Well, just to, like, offshoot that, I was going to talk about Organization 13 as well, because I just thought that was, like, one of the new concepts that was introduced after Kingdom Hearts 1 that actually took the story in a more complicated, but just in a stronger direction. Mm -hmm. They added something new that actually 
added to the storyline. And yeah, I just think Organization 13 is really cool. They're all designed really cool. They got these awesome black robes. Each one of them has an elemental affinity and a really cool weapon. And I just like, I just thought they were the coolest thing ever. And so at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2, you get to go to the world that never was, which is their world and where their home base is. And all of the fights with them are really freaking awesome. So um, that would be, that. that's my answer. Yeah, I could agree with that too. Organization 13 is one of my favorite parts of the series, probably. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're awesome. If I were to say mine, I'm really glad, Andrew, that you brought yours up because that means I don't have to do as much legwork in explaining mine. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he mentioned Roxas, who is Sora's nobody. Um, the organization is this like death cult uh, that is con- manipulating, controlling them, trying to control Kingdom Hearts. And they also end up building a lifelike robot, who you can't tell is a robot, uh, named Shion who is built out of Sora's memories. It's magic. I don't need to explain it. Mm-hmm. Her and Roxas become very good friends. Uh, they learn to develop emotional bonds because of each other, uh, like his bond with Axel. They ask Axel, what is friendship? And he says, I don't know. It's doing stuff together, like watching the sunset or eating ice cream. And he's just using those as throwaway examples. But because they are young, naive creatures, they cannot do anything but take that literally and they think that's literally what friendship means so every day they watch the sunset together and eat ice cream together at the end of the game Shion has realized that because of the way she was built she's actually sapping Roxas's life force away from him and if she continues to live he will have to die so she because of the magic tricks Roxas into killing her so that he can get his life force back uh the end of the game has the most maligned line in the history of Kingdom Hearts that has become an internet meme <laughs> for terrible writing, but I it really means a lot to me. Shion is dying in Roxas's arms, and he says to her, Shion, please don't go. Who will I have ice cream with now? And it sounds like a shitty line out of context, but in context, it, it's just so heartbreaking because like he doesn't have the words to understand friendship or emotion. This is all he has. And... As she lays dying in his arms, that's all he can cling to is that was our friendship and it's going away now. And it's so tragic. It really hits me emotionally, uh, yeah. which is why it's my favorite story in the whole series. But um, anyways, this has all been very long winded. <laughs> so uh, I think we're going to leave it here. So maybe this episode hasn't been so much uh, explaining Kingdom Hearts itself, but explaining why we love Kingdom Hearts and why it means so much to us. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, listeners, if that's what you were listening for, we kind of uh, pulled you to the side on that one. But uh, it was a little journey we went on, and we're going to call it a retcon that we did, <laughs> just like we do in Kingdom Hearts. So. Nice. It all comes full circle. <laughs> yes, exactly. So with that, we're going to take it on to our usual segment of What You Plan. Let's start with you, Eitan. What You Plan? I uh, downloaded the uh, Final Fantasy X and X-2 remaster that's the word for it so i've so i'm uh, almost done the final fantasy 10 remaster right now uh, i'm so happy <laughs> it's my favorite game of all time oh really yeah, final fantasy 10 is my favorite game of all time i've played it about 20 times cool what about you andrew i just finally picked jedi fallen order back up and finished Ooh. it last night nice okay. um, it's good it's such a good game yeah i liked it it was it was very Star Wars. <laughs> like, I will give them full credit for, like, it was very Star Wars. And it was quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I'm also replaying Octopath Traveler right now because <laughs> I just liked it a lot. And it's, like, the sto- <laughs> I fully acknowledge that, like, the stories are pretty bare bones and, like, not great. But something about the battle system really engages me. So I'm giving that another shot. And then I'm also, I picked up Fuser, the new Harmonix game. It's, like, Guitar Hero, but for DJs. And you take... 
drums or bass or like the melody line or the vocals from different like actual real life songs and you put them together and create mixes and you can change the key and you can change the tempos i love that for me as an absolute musician music nerd Mm -hmm. dork this is just great that's awesome (laughs) yeah i love rhythm games that sounds amazing i want to check that out yeah it's worth it Mm -hmm. and mike what about you what's your plan uh you know what so my roommates and i we watched that show on netflix um queen's gambit Okay. Have you guys seen this? I've heard about it. Yeah, so it's like a it's like a TV show about chess, and watching that show kind of really sparked this whole like strategy game fire in my soul, and so I have been on a strategy game binge. I I like started going heavy into Hearthstone again, uh, the Blizzard like Magic the Gathering sort of online situation. It's kind of like Warcrafty, uh, and other than that, just like Tony Hawk. But man, that Fuser game sounds. Sorry, Fuser? Is it Fusion or Fuser? Fuser, yeah. That Fuser game sounds amazing. I love rhythm games, so I think that that's going to be what I'm checking out next. Yeah, it's very cool. Like, it's it's stupidly fun for me to put, like, the drums from a Donna Summer song with the bass line from, like, Bad Guy by Billie Eilish, and then I put Evanescence vocals over top, and I'm just, like, living (laughs) my life. I love it. So yeah, how about you, Travis? What do you play right now? I swear I'm not still replaying Hades over and over and over again. <laughs> I swear I've moved on. I actually downloaded the uh, free PS4 game this month, which was Hollow Knight, um, because I, I never actually played it when it came oh. out. Oh, <laughs> sorry. You're all just playing like my favorite games. <laughs> I'm so bad at it. I don't know if I'll keep playing, to be honest. And that's not to say that like the game is bad. I'm just, I suck at the game so hard. It's, it's very hard. <laughs> so we'll see if I keep playing. I don't know. Not to, not to tell, like, live your life and do what's fun for you. But I also sucked at it. You can ask my mother. She was there while I was trying to play through it for Good Game, Great Game on a timeline of when I needed to beat the game by. <laughs> was your mother just like, get good, noob? Um, <laughs> it was very stressful and I felt terrible at it. <laughs> and then the further I got into it, I did start to sort of figure things out. And then, I don't know, the world building in that game is so charming. Mm. And it's so well done that it, like, pulled me in eventually. And then I kind of felt still bad at it, but not as bad. Okay. All right. (laughs) I will try to stick through it. I make no promises, but I'm going to try. All right. So I think that is going to do it for us here today. Thank you so much for joining us for this ridiculous episode. Thank you, Aton. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Andrew, thanks for coming out for another Kingdom Hearts recap. <laughs> Always happy to. If you need, if you do more, I'm around. <laughs> okay. I'll let you know. And Mike, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more sober than I thought I would be, but it, this has been good. I feel like I've learned a lot. It's been a time and maybe, yeah, we'll come back to We'll circle back because I, I know you love Kingdom Hearts, so I feel like this won't be the last we touch upon this uh, subject matter. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. This has been Rainbow Road. If you liked this episode, follow us on Twitter at Rainbow Road Pod or get in touch with us for future episodes at Rainbow Road Podcast at gmail.com. And a big thank you to all of our guests today and our producer, Matt Kinnar. Thanks for listening to Rainbow Road. <laughs>